1st of January, I sorted my bedroom out and I bought myself a new duvet cover. <laughs> Thank you. This is what I really need to talk about. This is the tip of the iceberg. This is my paperwork. So over the last few years, I've um, been in and out of court lots of times, not because I've done anything naughty or wrong, uh, but because I've had to battle for my children. And one of the things that I found being thrown into the world of being a single dad and having horrible things to battle with uh, and losing uh, my sanity was that I found fear in envelopes. I kept them all, but I couldn't open them. If it looked important, I couldn't deal with it. Now this will sound lunatic to you, but this is the reality of what I've lived with. If I opened an envelope that looked important, it could be someone telling me that I was going back to court. It could be a bill that I couldn't pay. It could be the bailiffs coming round to take something I couldn't afford to lose. It could even mean the first step to me going to prison. In my head, that was my reality. You know when you're having a nightmare and the fear that you feel is real? The anxiety that you feel is absolutely tangibly real? And then you wake up and rationality kicks in and you go, oh, that's fine. It's just a dream. When you're dealing with depression and anxiety issues, you don't get to wake up from the nightmare. The feelings are just there all the time. So I kept the envelopes. I knew they were important to keep, but I also couldn't open them and deal with them. Tax credits, working tax credits, child benefits. I started a new company registered for VAT, VAT returns. I moved house, but I couldn't phone up and change the address for the people that I had to change addresses for because they might suddenly tell me that I owed them £2,000 for some unknown reason, which made sense in my head but wouldn't make sense to anybody else. So I didn't phone them and tell them. So the mountain grew and I couldn't deal with it. And I got to January and I knew that I had to change. Important versus urgent. And I'll tell you what happened in a second. Come back to this chart with me. Because all of us live in a world full of demands and pressures. And each of you, I'm sure, will have things not perhaps as crazy as mine, but things which press in on you and you can't quite deal with. Or you're just unstructured enough to, to do things the wrong way around. And being a Christian is partly about making the most of life and living life well. To be a disciple of Christ is to try and put forward in our lives the things which are most important. To live with a set of values and a purpose which is beautiful and peaceful. We're meant to be a people who inhabit the shalom of God Almighty. Yet so often we get dragged into the chaos of the world. So this is something I could have done with knowing a long time ago. Uh, important versus urgent. So here I put plus I and minus I. So if it's a plus I, that means yes, it is important. If it's a minus I, it means no, it's not important. So these are things which are important. These are things which are not important in life. And U, plus U and minus U. So these things are urgent 
And these things down here are not urgent. So if something is in this box down in the bottom right, it is not important and it is not urgent. There's lots of things in our lives which are not important and not urgent, like watching a programme on telly. Although maybe to you there's something that's soap that you follow passionately and you say actually that is important. But mostly TV programmes, they're not important. Going for a cup of coffee, it's, it's not really important or urgent. There's things in life that we do, they're neither important nor urgent, and they're in this box here. That's okay, there's nothing wrong with them. You're allowed those things. Some of those things are very nice. But sometimes there's tasks which come to us which aren't important in our lives, and they're not urgent in our lives either. But we have them in our heads. We have them as things that we need to do, and someone's told us we need to do them, so we think, oh, I need to do that thing. But we need to sometimes stop and say, actually, is that important to me? Is that a my thing important, or is that somebody else's important that's not really my important? And urgent. Some people come shouting at you, saying, you've got to do this now. You think, do I? Is it really true that I have to do that thing now? So if something is not important and not urgent, you can just not do them. It's okay, because we're all short of time. If something is important, but it's not urgent, we need to plan how we're going to do that thing, or those things. I'm actually quite good at planning, I'm just not very good at doing sometimes. But if it's not urgent, and you've only got 24 hours today in which to do stuff, actually you can afford to put that off. You can plan for doing it at a later time. If something is urgent but not important, could something be urgent and not important? Well, yes, it can be. It might not be important for you personally to do yourself. And the problem with being a Martha is that you will want to do everything yourself. And that's been my problem, is I don't want to ask for help with anything because these are all my problems, my burdens, my responsibilities. I can't ask anyone else to help because I'm embarrassed, because this is my mess, because I want to prove to myself I can do these things. But sometimes things are not actually our importance, but they might be urgent to get done. What you can do is ask for help. And if you're in a position to, you can delegate. Oops. You can give it to somebody else. You can ask somebody else to help you out. And what you're left with is the important and the urgent. Get stuff done. Get the stuff done that really matters today. Now, in my world of lunacy, I had these things round the other way. The big cross in the not important, not urgent thing became the tick. And by golly, did the important and the urgent become a cross. I couldn't go anywhere near that box. So, December, this December just gone, I slogged my guts out. So I set up a new company doing design and print stuff for people and it was Christmas and I was going for it hammer and tong, hammer and tong, hammer and tong and I for the first time had made just a bit of money. 
just a, a few hundred pounds. And I was thinking, yes, thank you, Lord. I can, I can see my way to the new year without hitting the bottom of the overdraft again. And on Christmas Day, my dog got attacked by another dog and we were in a vet's on Christmas Day. General anaesthetic, 650 quid. Everything wiped out. I was broken. But I was determined. I wasn't going to do another year as stressful as the last two. 2017 had to be different. And I was offered a chance by a close friend who knew how run down I was and I couldn't get out of this rut of chasing after all the urgent things. I had to keep doing jobs for people, which was great because that was my business, but in doing things for other people, I couldn't do things for myself and my kids, like sorting out the bedrooms and sorting out the envelopes. And so someone said, look, Evan, I'll give you enough money to survive on for January if you just do those important jobs. So January the 1st, I tidied my bedroom, got the boys to tidy their bedrooms. January the 2nd, I started Googling for an accountant. Now at this point, I had three quarters of VAT returns which hadn't been submitted, and I had legal proceedings being threatened. I had debt collection agencies on behalf of HMRC. I had a motorbike on the driveway that I tried to sell but couldn't afford the repayments and I had bailiffs coming for my bike. I had debts I couldn't manage and I should have come to cap but I was too embarrassed. And I had envelopes I couldn't look at. But I knew that the business was the thing that was most important, it seemed, for survival. So I thought, I need someone to do the VAT returns. So I started Googling, and all these accountant companies came up, and I couldn't even begin to understand what was on their pages. And I thought, I can't even go to them, I can't afford them, and I have no sort of organised system for the paperwork that they're going to need to do anything for me. And then I came across one called The Accounting Pig. I thought, that sounds odd. And I read, and it said in there, do you have carrier bags stuffed full of receipts? <laughs> yes, that's me. And I phoned her up, and I said, look, this is my story. I'm a mess. Everything's a mess. I'm in a really deep hole. And she got me to explain my situation, my circumstances, and what I was doing with my company. And she said, that sounds okay. I can help you out. And I said, but how much? Because I've got very little money. And she said, well, how about I sort all this mess out for you for free and then we work together moving forwards? For free? Are you crazy? And she has. And she's sorted out my year-end accounts. She's done my VAT returns. She's done my annual returns. She's done everything. She's amazing. I said, you've got to change your name from accounting pig to accounting angel. <laughs> She did my personal tax return and she said, Evan, your benefits is a complete mess. You're not getting anything what you should be getting. And I said, well, I know because I've been too scared to talk to them. She said, you've got to talk to them. Here's all the figures you need. Now phone them up. And I phoned them up and they said, we can only backdate by one month what you should have. I said, really? but I'm in a mess. Is there any way we can go back like two years? 
And they said, well, the only way is if you write in with all your circumstances and ask for extenuating circumstances. I said, well, okay, I'll do that. And I said to her, I said, this is a really big thing, me picking up the phone and talking to you. I couldn't have done this. This is a huge mountain I've just climbed by just phoning you up. And she said, okay, well, write in to us. But we can't do anything over the phone. And then two Sundays ago, I sat in here at the seven o'clock service and I'd sent off the paperwork and the accounting pig had done as much stuff as they could do but I'd had no money come in and I was £100 away from the bottom of my overdraft. And I was in here and I prayed. I said, Lord, I'm fed up of this now. I'm exhausted. Please sort this out this week because I can't do any more. I'd slogged my guts out all the way through January. We'd got the paperwork sorted but I was still broke. And looking ahead to the week, I thought, I don't know that I've got any money coming in that I'm going to survive on. So I just prayed, Lord, please will you sort this out now? I've done all I can do. The next morning I woke up and one of my big challenges is to check my bank account. I find it very hard because it's scary. And it said £2,000. And I looked and HMRC had sorted out the tax credits I was like, that's amazing. And then I waited a few days and I was expecting a check from somebody and I logged on to see if that check had come in. And it had. But HMRC had always also backdated something else and I had another £4,000. And that day I'd also phoned up the We Buy Any Bike company and decided to just sell my bike at a loss. And they were coming the next day. And they came and they bought my bike. And so from the Sunday, in here and broken and not knowing how I was going to get through to the end of the week, I got to the end of the week and suddenly, everything had just suddenly fallen into place. Now, that sounds like I had a lot of money. Actually, I had a lot of debts. So what I then did this last week is I've been paying off all my debts, one by one by one by one. I'm not rich, but I'm free in a way that I was so burdened and trapped just a month ago. It's incredible. I've got a long way to go yet. I sold my car. I've bought a new, cheaper car. My insurance has dropped by £80 a month. I've lost the bike. I've lost the expensive car. I've got a beautiful, cheap X-Reg car, which is like a dream. It's amazing. Bedrooms are tidy. I've got every envelope has been opened and it's, things are in filing cabinets. The VAT return's done. Everything's done. Benefits are in order. Because someone said, Evan, in January, do the important things and stop chasing after the urgent things. Get your life in order. But more than that, I sat here and I prayed and I said, Lord, I've done everything I can do. Please take over. And it was that moment that everything changed. Come back to the passage. 
Luke chapter 10. Verse 41. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. I can tell you about so many things that I've been worried and upset about. And those things are the things that have driven me and controlled me. Jesus is the one that I should have been focusing on, but I haven't. I've focused on the things that I've been afraid of and I've let them have their power over me. There's been things I should have done, but I was too scared to do. And there are people that I could have asked for help from and I was too embarrassed to. And there was a God I could have prayed to, but I was too far from. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. What's that one thing? That one thing for each of us must be Jesus, to know Christ and him alone, to live our lives for him, with him, to be driven by him as our central point, our foundation and our purpose. And nothing else matters. Also in chapter 9 of Luke, the previous chapter, Jesus sends out the 12 disciples and he talks about foxes having holes and birds of the air having nests, but the Son of Man have no, having nowhere. You know, we're called as a people to have nothing. Yet we fill our lives with so much stuff. I've offloaded possessions and cars and motorbikes and debts. We've downsized into a, into a tiny place where we're cramped. Our next step, hopefully, is to get our own home. But actually, what's more important is to be at peace and have contentment in where we are and with what we have and to not laden ourselves and burden ourselves with extras and more and stuff. And as we go on for this programme of rebuilding church, I think that the story of sacrifice is going to be one that will be shared by us as a whole church family. What things can we give up in order to release the kingdom into our lives and into our community? But we get so worried and upset and focused and fixated on so many things like Martha. We busy ourselves with what the world tells us is urgent. We get distracted and driven by pressures and by powers that are not part of the kingdom and are not part of Christ. We live our lives the wrong way round. We don't do the important and the urgent kingdom stuff. We get driven by the trap that the world lays for us and sucked into the important and the urgent that the world tells us about. And we forget to go and sit at the feet of Jesus. For Martha, he was just in the next room. For us, he is just a simple choice away. I choose Jesus. I choose the importance of Jesus in my life over the urgency of anything the world will tell me. 
I choose the importance of peace and contentment in his presence. I choose the importance of a life without things if I can just have more of him. What's important and what is urgent in your life? What things have trapped you? What things are you afraid of? In his presence, you can find release. And in his presence, you can find freedom and peace. Amen. Lord Jesus, just want to thank you for the work that you've done, not just in my life, but in the lives of so many people. Untold stories, people with struggles and burdens. Lord, thank you for the way that you work tirelessly in our lives when we let you. Help each of us, Lord, to move from being Martha's to being more like Mary. Teach us the importance of sitting at your feet, to choose each day to find time to be with you, to bring our burdens, our fears, our struggles, and to hand them to you. Lord, lead us from the kitchen to sit at your feet. Amen.